Good morning, church. We hope in the dark, our current series through First Peter, we're talking about husbands. All right, all the men in the house, maybe there's guys that should be here but are not, and you're going to be sending links their way and notes their way. Today, as we think about hope in the dark, ladies, as wives, y'all need, you need hope when it gets really, really difficult. And men, when problems come, when all of the past is working against you and all of the world is against you and Satan is against you, Husbands, we are men that hope in God. And so hope is what is driving us. We're not hoping in our ability to figure it out and try to do life our way. Instead, men of hope, they, put, they place their hope in Jesus. They are men after Jesus' heart. And so today, we're going to be continuing on in this vein. This is where we've been the past weeks. Submission to a God that rules and reigns. And we do that through all civil authority. We say, God, you're the one that sets up authority in our lives. And so we're going to submit to whoever is in charge, whoever's the boss, even if they are not the right animal or the right color, right? Elephant or donkey, blue or red, we are saying, God, you raise up leaders and you tear them down. You've been doing that throughout all of history. God, I submit to you, whether that's local authorities, local leadership, we see our hope is not in the leadership of our nation or our state or our local authorities. Our hope is not there. Our hope is in God. Here's another thing that we do when we think about our bosses and we think about our workplace. We submit in a way that shows we're following Jesus. And so our attitude, our posture is one of a servant and we come under authority. Last week, we looked at wives there is a calling on your life to come under the authority of your husband. Ladies had six verses last week. Guys, guess how many verses you got? One. Yeah, yeah, true story. I'm not even making this stuff up, right? Husbands, in the same way, you are called now to come under authority, come under the kingship of Jesus, and you're to lead as a leader in a certain way. Husbands, God knew our attention span to our ability to track with a whole lot of words. He's like, I'm going to be merciful, men. You get one. Ladies got to memorize six verses. You got to memorize one. All right. If you want to talk about fairness, all right. So every woman in the house say that's unfair. It's so crystal clear what God's will is for every husband. Peter can say it in a sentence. He can say it in one verse and it makes all the difference. And in everything that happens under the roof of our house, everything that happens in our family, the buck stops with dad. The buck stops with husband. Regardless of who did it and who's at fault, there is a maximum responsibility that God says, it's on you, bro. It's on you. No pressure. No pressure. But today, we want to unpack what does that mean to be a man of hope, hoping in God? What does it mean to be a husband after the heart of Jesus and to do it his way. So let's pray because we're going to need some help today. Amen? We're going to need some help. Let's get low. Father, we are so grateful that we can be men of hope. The, the men in the house today, I pray that they would know either they're preparing to be the head of their home, they're in the midst of acknowledging where they have not been living out their headship, their leadership, or for those of us that are, are still struggling with the hangover of past relationships and the struggle and wondering what happened. God, we're all in, in different places, but Your Word is speaking right into the heart of where we need to be. God, allow the ladies in Your house today to be women of prayer and to pray over our men and to be for them and not against them. 
and to, to desire, to long for us to be a church where men rise up, where men are bold, where they're able to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and come under His authority and be the authority they've been called to be. So God, have mercy on us right now for our past failures. But God, remove all the excuses, all the blame shifting. God, allow us to be men who are hearing this right now, to be men of faith, to be men of hope, to be men that choose the pathway of godliness, even if nobody else is. And we pray for your power to work among us in Jesus' glorious name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Here we go. We're going to dissect this one piece at a time, all right? So start off with husbands. Will you lead your family God's way? You have a choice, right? So how will you do it? How will you lead the family? And if you need a bulletin because you can't be taking notes and I'm looking at you and I'm wondering why aren't you writing this down, it's because you might not have an outline. So shoot your hand up and say, I am going to take notes right now, but I need something to write on. So I don't write on somebody's arm and I don't write on my own hand. All right, so shoot your hand up if you need one. And as we take notes, let's think about this. You are called to joyfully submit and fulfill God's leadership calling. Joyfully submit to God. Joyfully fulfill the leadership that God has called you to. And again, I acknowledge not, not every man in the house is married. Not everyone is able to live this out. But there is going to be some day that that will be a reality. And so... Hey, guys that are not married yet or have never been married, younger guys, um, when do you start preparing to be a godly husband? Uh, when you say, I do, <clears throat> wrong answer. When do you start? Today, today's a good, everybody say today. Today's a good day to start. Today's a good day, right? It, it's now that the preparation takes place. And for some of us, uh, God is bigger than our past mistakes and our past failures. And so, here is good news. I can joyfully submit to God even while I wait for the position of being a godly husband. And so that instruction comes for married brothers from Peter to say, husbands, I got a word for you. The instruction is clear from God through Peter. And he's saying, church, here's where it starts. Men of the church, know your wife deeply, deeply, intimately, personally, Go deep in knowing your, your wife. What does he say? In verse 7, right at the beginning, likewise, likewise, we just got done saying, submit, 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 regardless of what your role position is. And he says, in the same vein, likewise, husbands, this is your call under God's authority. Live with your wives in an understanding way. Live with her according to a deep learning and a deep understanding. And so what in the world does that mean? So can we be super practical today? Can we be helped by practicality? Everybody say, be practical. Here we go. Here we go. How about live worthy of submission? Do I need to say that again? If husbands, if we want our wives to joyfully submit to us, be a man that understands this. My wife needs me to live in a way that I live worthy of submission so wives are you off the hook if your husband does not live worthy that you don't have to submit to him uh no no and in fact that we just got done last week saying even if your husband hates god even if he's got an upside down five point star a pentagram tattooed on his forehead 
right, and says, hail Satan every morning, you submit to his leadership. In the most inconvenient, the most difficult relationships, there is a heart of submission. But husbands, can, can we say this? Can we make it as easy as possible for our wives to submit? Your job is to make it such a simple, clear pathway of coming under authority. That's on us. That's on us. Are we living in a way that we're worthy of submission? Uh, can we be clear? Be somebody your wife wants to submit to. Can we be any clearer than that? Be a husband that your wife loves to come under your leadership. Live that way. How else can we live in an understanding way? Uh, how about this? Study your wife. How do I do that? Uh, start by asking good questions. Ask a question a day. Pursue her and not just in bed. Woo her, all right? What is it for her that she needs your help of saying, I'm engaged, I'm focused, I'm present, I'm here, I love you, not in words only. Study your wife. And how can I tell if I'm doing a good job? And I wonder how hard this would be for husbands in, in the house or future husbands. Have you ever been willing to say, honey, how am I doing? And I'm not going to get defensive. And I'm not going to criticize back. I'm not going to fire back. I'm not going to shut down. Tell me how I'm doing on a scale of one to 10. And then you got to remind, honey, there's no negatives. Okay. All right. Right. Like just positive integers, please. Okay. One to 10. How am I doing? Here's one thing. Husbands, we can say, honey, where's one area that I can grow? One thing that I can do better. Be patient with me. Slow. Just one. All right. And if you think of 84 things, you just write those all down and burn them and just give me number one. Okay. Let's just start here. Start with just the first, the most urgent. How can I live in an understanding way with my wife as a husband? I need to get honest feedback. And I would say this, assess your role. Assess. Has anybody had a, a job performance? Anybody do like an interview, annual assessment? Um, if, if we've worked for anyone that is serious about quality control and trying to train leaders and trying to be a, a work environment, a work culture that is trying to improve and get better, one thing they do consistently is we need to assess everything. We need evaluations. How are we doing? Are we doing better than six months ago? Are we doing better than three months ago? Are we doing better than five years ago, a year ago? Healthy job assessments, healthy work environment assessments allow for big changes to take place little increments at a time, correct? So the reality is, how often do we as husbands say, or future husbands, you go, I got to get used to hearing feedback. If I really struggle with getting feedback from teachers or parents, uh, marriage is going to be miserable for you, okay? Because you're going to need feedback. And guess what, ladies? Pretty good at offering it, unsolicited even, right? Free feedback all the time. The reality is, can we be God of men that are different where we receive it and we're actually pursuing it instead of constantly fighting and resisting the feedback? I want to change. I want to grow. I want to be different. How are you doing? How are you doing? Am I obeying God's word better than I was last year? Is my wife seeing my growth in godliness? Is that happening? Not the words I say, growth and godliness without saying a word. Is there change? Is there improvement? Is there growth? 
And I just, I just wanted to at least paint a little bit of a picture. I just want to be as practical as possible. And again, this doesn't encompass everything, but uh, many that I have walked with, and this was me in the beginning of my spiritual journey over 20 years ago, I had no idea what a godly home was supposed to look like. I didn't know what a godly marriage was. I never saw one. I mean, can you imagine that? I was in my early 20s and I'm like, I have never seen a godly marriage. And some of you are like, well, I haven't either and I'm much further along than that. We need to be able to have visions of what God intends for our homes to be. And it wasn't until somebody started casting a vision for me and describing it and then inviting me into their home for me to observe and watch Right? And I, I don't know if you've been around a godly couple that has allowed you to enter in and be a little bit closer and ask questions and make observations, but unfortunately, the church has failed in this area. Can we be honest? How many mentors, how many leaders as couples are going to go first so that generations can have something of an example to grab hold of? And so for today, I would at least paint this picture. What would a home look like if a husband was obedient to this command. It would look like a man who knows his wife, studies her, and then serves her with that newfound knowledge. He farms the soil of career and home and hobbies, not for the sake of himself, but to serve his family. And could we emphasize this? Wife first. Wife first. Everybody say that. Wife first. Then children. So the, the idolatry of the American family is children first. Just do it for the kids. We're going to stay together for the children. At least don't, don't harm the children. The best way that you can serve your kids is by having a God-glorifying marriage. If that's all you did was live out and put in tons of effort in your marriage, your kids would be shipped off, sent out of the home, launched out like arrows with clarity of what marriage is supposed to be by God's design. If you love your kids like crazy and you spoil them and neglect your marriage, you're going to destroy your legacy because welcome to generations of messed up marriages and spoiled husbands and spoiled wives. That's unhelpful. The church needs to be different. We need to be different on purpose. And I would say marriage first then children. And number two, if you're taking notes, just jot this down. As we look at knowing your wife deeply, we also want to say, Peter, what else do you want us to do? Keep it simple. Keep it clear. Right? Honor your wife appropriately. Honor your wife appropriately. What, what does Peter say? He continues on in verse 7, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Do we, do we need some... Just a little bit of pause for, for clarity. Uh, somebody say clarify that. Uh, please, please clarify it. What, what, what exactly do we mean? Uh, Peter, Peter, weaker, 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 really, really, really? Compared to what? Peter never intended to say here is God's design and that there's a strong man and a weak woman. Everybody say he's not saying that. He's saying, husband, you are really, really weak and you need your strength in Jesus. And she's a little bit weaker than you and she really needs you she needs to borrow and draw from your strength weak and weaker not weak and strong okay can we clarify that and we're talking about in a dozen different ways we could run through okay what does he mean by that by design god created man and woman differently but 
equal. Are, are we good there? Are we trekking so far? Equal, but different. And to this day, there is still no uh, Olympics where they have uh, co-ed competition. Because when they do, there is a certain result, right? Because God has wired, well, other than our day, we're not going to go into transgender debates, okay? Everybody say not today. Okay, that, that's for a different series. But when we're talking about God's design, by design, there's an element of a need that a wife has from her husband. And I wonder, husbands, can we just hear our wives say, lend me your strength. Be strong for me. And it can't be your strength. It's got to be strength from God. Tap into God's strength and lead me and strengthen me. I think every wife wants that from their husband. Chase after God and take me with you. Be strengthened in the Holy Spirit and then help me along in the areas where I am weak. This is so powerful. Husbands, do not dishonor your wife as the world dishonors its women. Failing to honor the glory of her femininity. Don't do it. Honor your wife as a woman. Honor the glories of all that is feminine in her by God's design. It's a beautiful thing when we're able to do this God's way. Anybody think that that doesn't come naturally? That's kind of hard to do? There's a shift that needs to take place that we see people through God's eyes and by God's design, and we don't naturally do that, right? We have been brainwashed by the world to think certain ways about what manhood should be, what womanhood should be, and we just need to say, God, what was your design? What, what did you design? What was the blueprint from the beginning? And we're going to go after that. We're going to choose your way because all we do is make a mess when we get off of his path. Amen? In a, in a lot of different creative ways. But how do I do that? How do I do that? Well, we, we need another episode of Family Feud. So, man, I need, I need your help, okay? If you understand how Family Feud. And minus the feud, we're not fighting here, okay? We're all friends. We're all friends. Um, but we, we do need to clarify a few things. We had, we had a top 10 for the ladies last week of uh, instead of dressing the way that God wants us to dress from the inside and the heart level, uh, we looked at 10 ugly ways that, that wives dress. And this week, we, we just want to keep it simple. So we say, how do I honor my wife? All right, what's, what's the top five of like, how do I do this? And I would say this, number five, okay, number five, can we get that up on the board? Come on, guys, stay with me. Repent repeatedly. What in the world does that mean? Other than it's alliterated and it's super cute. Uh, what, what does that mean? That means I, I used to treat my wife this way because I always treat women this way and because I saw my dad treat my mom this way and my grandpa treat my grandma this way. I repent by saying, God, that's not what you said. You, you told me not to do that. I'm going to go this way. I'm going to go your way. I'm going to follow your pattern. And how often, men, do we need to do that? Like, well, yeah, I repented. I mean, that one time in the first year, totally blew it. And I had to turn around and go the right way. And since then, yeah, I've been doing pretty good. <clears throat> no, 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 you haven't. Every day, there is evidence of keep on repenting, keep on turning away from the old and from the wrong. And we need to turn towards Christ-likeness. Well, what in the world would repentant look like? Well, it doesn't sound like sorry, does it? Yeah, yeah, honey, I know. Sorry. Sorry about that. Sorry. Sorry about that angry outburst. Sorry that I cussed at you again. Sorry that I kicked the dog. Sorry that I overspent. And uh, sorry, sorry. 
Sorry isn't repentance. Sorry is sorry. That's what the world does. The world is a sorry bunch of sorriers and Christians do something different. We repent. We turn away and we say, I was wrong. It was sin. Will you please forgive me? Can you help me to do the right? Because I don't want to keep messing up that way. I repent, right? Honor her by actually changing. How about this? Number four, guys, help me out. We need to... Okay, so can we have an honest conversation? Are, are we ready for honesty? Honesty in God's house this morning? Um, more guns does not mean better protection. Okay, can we be... I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was tracking with you right in... Right, right, right there, right there, right there. Yep, that's where we... So here, here's a scary thought. <laughs> do, we, do we need to wrap things up? It's getting late. Time for lunch. Um, here's, here's one honest question to your wife. Honey, what makes you feel safe, not what makes me feel really masculine because I'm so insecure that I have all these ways that bring me security by making me feel masculine, but it actually still leaves you insecure, unhelped, unserved. Okay, And I'm not saying that we have one way to overcome and compensate for our insecurity as husbands, but do you know what would be really helpful? Why don't we ask her what she wants us to do to provide protection? So this past week, this past week, confession time, uh, how easy do you think it is to uh, prepare for a message like this as a husband? Not, not awesome. Not awesome. No bueno. That, that was my week. Wimon. So here's, here's what happened. The more that I thought about this area of safety, the more that I didn't have like a list of like one or two things that were like, ooh, that kind of hurts. God, I'm getting the message. I, I'm thinking about writing an entire book on uh, one pastor's memoirs on how to make your wife feel insecure and unprotected. Because a thousand things came to mind of, yeah, and you do that. And you keep doing that. And you keep justifying that. When are you going to stop, John? When are you going to start asking the question, what is best for her, not what's more comfortable for you? Not what makes you feel better, but what makes your family feel better? So we got to get real specific. So as funny as this sounds, okay, my, my recent conviction as of yesterday as the list kept growing is I am no longer going to drive my family through the ghetto of Robstown because I think it's awesome and it's horrifying to certain members of my family that when they look at the FBI's most wanted and they look at parts of town that are the most dangerous in the state of Texas, that's the road I take to go to Sam's Club, all right, every single time. And so here's the reality. If we're going to get real honest as husbands, we've got to go, I can give that up. I can say no to something that I don't have a problem with to provide protection and safety and security to those that I say that I, I love. I can get that specific. If I say I don't have a problem with certain activities, but maybe I'm hearing a little bit of a voice coming uh, nagging because I didn't hear it the first thousand times, maybe at some point we go, you know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to I'm going to give that up, not because I have to, but because I I want to. I want to protect my family. Something I do as a pastor is I don't spend a lot of time 
uh, with extended one-on-one with a woman as far as being together for hours and saying uh, in private, behind closed doors, or on the phone for hours and hours, I don't cultivate relationships, not because I think I'm going to end up in an affair, but because I want my wife to feel absolutely secure that she knows where I'm at and who I'm talking to, and I want to protect her so that she has no doubt in her mind. It doesn't take much to say, honey, what provokes you to feel insecure and unsafe? And today, I'm going to stop doing that, and I'm never going to argue again, and I'm not going to provoke you. I'm done. It's not worth it because I want to serve you in a way that honors God and makes you feel loved. So today, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. So I don't know what kind of conversations you need to have, but if I'm going to provide protection, it's there, right? And as a side, side note, can we say this? Women that do not feel safe in the bedroom felt unsafe long before they got into the bedroom. And part of our sex problem in marriage is a safety problem, and it starts way before any kind of intimacy. And as I do counseling, one thing that we bring up is we say, if you didn't have a problem with having sex with her before you were married, you're probably not going to have as much of a guard after you get married because if you already are committing sexual sin outside of marriage, why would your wife feel safe that you're not going to do it after you're married with somebody else? Because premarital sex, what is it? It's preparation for adultery. I'm just, I'm just working the exercise, I'm exercising the muscles of adultery right now and I'm getting myself prepared so that when I say I do, that it's going to not be too hard for pornography or for another woman because I've been practicing. And so I would say to all of our young people, do not marry an unbeliever and marry someone that is willing to protect you from premarital sex because what they do before is what they do after because guess what? You don't change after you say I do. You know, oh yeah, I'm totally different now. I'm totally committed. I wasn't committed before, but now I'm totally committed to marriage. We don't change like that. We prepare for things, right? We exercise certain muscles. So I'd say, how do we bring protection? 10,000 different ways. There's a few. How about this? Number three, show preference. Not demanding, but serving. I had a hard time with this personally. If I'm going to honor Sarah, how do I make sure that her commitments in my eyes, are more important than my commitments. It doesn't mean that we're only going to do her thing, but in my estimation, do I see, I prefer your choice, your opinion, your thoughts. Not into sin, but in ways that don't matter. I am not going to fight about things that if you feel strongly, we're going to go with your thing. If you are dead set on this, and this doesn't lead us to sin, it doesn't dishonor our marriage, and it doesn't dishonor God, Let's go with your choice. Let's go with your thing. Preferential treatment of our wives honors God. Because Jesus did what? He gave preferential treatment to a bunch of pagans that hated Him and He laid down His life for them. And He preferred not His own life. He preferred the life of others. He preferred to save instead of save Himself. What do we do as husbands? I prefer you. You're going to go first. I will serve without my demanding and my pity party of not getting my way. Then we're going to do your thing and I'm not going to complain about it because I love you. How about this? Number two, we need a new vocabulary. We need new words. And here's, here's what we need. Putting off the bad is not enough. I don't need to just say, I'm not going to say dishonoring things to my wife anymore and then I'm going to remain silent. That's not enough. 
New words means I'm not going to be condescending like that anymore. Stopping is one thing. Starting to say, instead of sarcasm, I'm going to put on kindness and gentleness. Instead of making sexual jokes, I am going to joke with my wife in a way that is mutually pleasant and not derogatory or condescending. It's not enough just to say no to the old. i got to say yes to something brand new. Men, we need new words, right? We need a new way of talking. We need a new vocabulary. No more verbal intimidation. No more volume that is dishonoring to God because the volume of pride is loud and the volume of humility is quiet. Is that happening more in our marriages? Not just thoughts and good intentions, actual words. Well, I was thinking that, honey. I was thinking you were beautiful, but I'm not going to say that. I've been thinking how much I love you all day long. When's the last time you said it? Well, if my mind changes, I'll tell you. <clears throat> Wrong answer. If I think it and it's good and it's helpful, I'm going to say it. I, I'm actually going to speak up. Sarcasm and condescension needs to go. Gentle and kind words need to be replaced. And that's not just one time. It's again and again. And how about this? This is our big number one. Guys, this is so hard. I'll change when she changes. I'll take the step when she stops doing that. I'll start doing this. How do you think God thinks about that? Do you think God's in favor of, of men on leashes or men as leaders? Who's going to go first? What if in our vocabulary, guys, she's the boss or I'm going to ask the boss never comes out of our mouths again because you're the boss. Unless when you say, I need to find out from the boss, you're talking about Jesus. Yes, yes, you need to ask the boss. But our vocabulary reflects our heart. And we say certain things in sarcasm because deep down, that's really where we're at. Passively coast through the rest of my marriage and allow my wife the frustration and irritation of leading the way as she drags me there. That's not God's design. To humble ourselves and start asking other men how do I change? How do I become a godly leader? I don't know how to do this. Ask somebody that you trust. Maybe in private, hey, could we go out for lunch? And I have no idea what a godly husband looks like. I didn't have an example. I'm fresh to the Bible or I've been sitting in church for years. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do for my first step. What if you got honest and just said, I need help in this area of how to go first and how to lead the way. So there's something about do what you're not good at. Step out by faith and be someone that you're not naturally wired to be because God changes people. And He changes people by men going first. Men humbling themselves and stepping out and saying, I don't have it figured out, but I need to get this right because there's too much at stake to go first. That's what we need to do, men. So no scorekeeping, no comparing. No, she did, so I'm going to retaliate. Leaders lead. Leaders lead. Everybody say it with me. Leaders lead. Men, you're the leader of your home. You're going to give an account. Start leading today. Start somewhere. Start with one step. And start by asking your wife, of these five, which one do I need to work on the most? And I'm going to shut my mouth for the next half hour and I'm not saying a word and I'm going to take notes. Because I want to change. I want to change. I want to be different. Why go through all this sacrifice? Honor our wives and bend over backwards to make sure that she is served and she is loved and and why would I give up so much? And why would I live to try so hard in this area of marriage? What does Peter say? Because we're not done yet. We're still, we're still in one verse, right? What does he say? Showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel since, everybody say since, there it is, because, since, 
They're heirs with you of the grace of life. Husbands, do not dishonor your wife as the world dishonors its women, treating her lower. Instead, know that she's a co-heir with Christ and she's created in the image of God. The reason that she is worthy of you putting in so much effort and sacrifice is because you get to wake up every single day next to an image bearer of God. You have never met a mere mortal. Every time you see a human being, especially another Christian, like I'm looking at the reflection of what God is like in a micro way, a little glimpse. Image bearers are worthy of certain honor and treatment, especially when it's your wife, husbands. This is such a big deal. So your wife can't meet your deepest needs. Only God can. You can free her from that burden to be the ideal in your mind and to embrace her where she's at and who she is to be able to love her well. As the worship team comes up, we want to do this. We want to land with this one last point, and I, I hope we're, we're still here. We're still engaged. We're focused, all right? Everybody say, land the plane. Preacher, what if I don't? What if I don't change? What if I don't want to change? What if I want to treat my wife any old way that I see fit? I've been doing this for a long time, and I, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Can we, can we have a sober challenge from Peter? Do you see what he says at the, at the end of verse 7? This is a big deal. Everybody with me? So that your prayers may not be hindered. Every say, wow, that's a lot. Guys, if we don't lead, something is happening in our vertical relationship with God. Even though it feels like, well, it's just between my wife and I, the reality is everything is between you and your wife and God. And this is what he says. Your prayers may be hindered if you reject this, if you don't live this way, if you don't do this. When you stop leading your wife, your God stops listening to you. If you are not going to lead your wife, your God is waiting for you to repent and to turn back so that your prayers may be answered. When's the last time you thought, and I have to assess this, how often am I praying and I don't feel like God is listening or there's no breakthrough, or I'm not seeing any progress in my life? When's the last time a husband stepped back and said, hey honey, one of the reasons that God is not moving in our home and in our marriage and our family is because of me. Because I forfeited the calling on my life to lead God's way. God has plugged His ears and He's waiting for me to humble myself. And when He humbles any husband, when He humbles himself, something powerful happens that God's like, are you ready? I've been ready. I've been waiting. Are you ready now? Because do you believe that God wants to do something in our homes and in generations and with our legacy and breaking the bondage and the chains of generational curse? And it starts with who? It's not when, when my wife just, eh, when I get right, when I humble myself, when I choose to walk his way, everything can change. Prayers answered. And I love, I love Ephesians 5. We're going to get there. We're going to get there soon. But if you want to put up Ephesians 5.25, guys, here's one memory verse for us that we can consider every single day is why is this area so important because every single day marriage is either telling the truth or lying about what god is like husbands love your wives just as in the same way that christ loved the church 
and he gave himself up for her. What way was that? You're more important than me. You before me. I'll go first. I'll lay it all down. It's not about my desires, my dreams, my wants. I'm going to lay my life down. And husbands, do we believe this? Do we believe that every single day a lost and dying world is watching our marriages and they're going, uh, I, I don't need Jesus to live like y'all live. I don't need to have faith to live like you live. But every Christian marriage should be a shining light of the only reason I can live self-sacrificially is because Jesus went first and I'm following Him. I want to tell the world what Jesus is like. And husbands, we, we have the opportunity to say, this is what Christ is like. This is love in action. And our marriage is a showcase for the Gospel every single day. I hope you, you don't want to face Jesus and Him say, why did you lie to everybody about me? And you're like, well, I'm in heaven, aren't I? Like I got in, right? Get out of hell, free card, boom, here, fire insurance, got it, I'm here. And he's like, yeah, but your whole marriage lied to everybody around you because you didn't live taking seriously that my heart for the church was sacrifice in its fullest extent and I called you to do the same. I called you to follow in my footsteps.